Carol O'Foury. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till 12. East Coast Radio. It is KZN's number one hit music station. That, of course, is East Coast Radio, hanging out with your daytime uh, queen, Carol O'Foury. Now, every Wednesday, I introduce you to incredible women doing amazing things in different industries, just trailblazing. And today is no different. This queen, Tando Hopper, is a lawyer. She's a model. She's an actress, a renowned global advocate for equity, inclusion, and representation. Uh, She has contributed to United Nations policy discussions for the Albinism Action Plan and participated in the Sister Summit out in Paris. Tando worked as a model as well, a fashion model. It saw her gracing the covers of several magazine publications such as Marie Claire and Glamour magazine. She also became the first South African person of color to feature in the Pirelli calendar. Now, back in 2019, she was the cover star of Vogue Portugal, making her the first woman with albinism to ever grace the cover of the internationally acclaimed publication. I'm going to carry on because she's that phenomenal. Tando is currently the founder and producer of the African Fashion Legacy Project in order to tell the cultural story of African textile while centering the representation of underrepresented groups. Now, she's currently appearing as one of the symbolic goddesses in Jean-Paul Gaultier's Divine Campaign. Ladies and gentlemen, the Queen, Tando Hoppa. How are you? I'm okay. And how are you, Sanbonani Dumelang, to your audience? Absolutely, Tando. Now, listen, I would have so loved to have done this interview in studio in Durban. You've promised me that when you come to Durban, first stop, Carol Lafori show, right? Indeed, indeed. That's a promise. <laughs> there we go. Now, tell us about this amazing campaign with Jean-Paul Gaultier, Divine Campaign. What is it all about? You're a symbolic goddess. Walk us through it. You know, I think one of the beautiful things about this campaign that I loved conceptually is that it 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 basically celebrates feminine energy within the space of divinity. And I think, you know, our cultures from, from, geez, from since forever, we've had cultures that have always acknowledged the feminine principle within divinity. And I think to kind of have it reinforced in popular culture is quite beautiful. Um, so that's, for, that's really why I quite enjoyed this particular campaign. So it's femininity, goddesses, divinity, yeah, man. I love, <laughs> so I love. It was speaking to me. So where can we all catch uh, the uh, campaign Unpack Itself? Where can we see all of this? So it's on your Jean-Paul Gaultier um, social media campaign. Um, they have it on their Instagram, on Facebook, and it has sort of several parts where also the women who are involved tell their own stories within you know, their their fraternities and their platforms because you have incredible women. Uh, you have women like Lola Rodriguez, uh, Tex, Tess uh, McMillan, and they all really represent a facet of diversity that I think is important um, because, you know, Tess actually talks about when you're talking about women's sizes that you're not really finding diversity being enhanced within the fashion industry, particularly in Europe. And uh, Lola Rodriguez, as a trans woman, talks about, you know, how her grandmother and her family helped her move into the space of transitioning and being who she is. And I get to talk about intersectionality and how we have scripted bodies of race and albinism and gender, etc. And how we're in essence trying to find our own stories because our our bodies have stories that are hundreds of years old about what women are or what black people are. And we're always trying to find a narration of our stories within the story 
of the body you know yeah um so yeah man i think please go check it out yeah um and of course you know it's headlined by yara shahidi uh which yes. is amazing um and as you know like yara as much as she's an icon in popular culture but she's also quite an activist so i think the women that were participating in this campaign were quite uh interesting women who were doing important work within the culture Wow, that's amazing. And you've touched on so many things that I want to get into. Uh, I think firstly, can we touch on, you know, as a woman living with albinism, and I saw an article of you speaking about how you really didn't expect to be embraced and accepted within the industry. Um, Can you walk us through that and, and how, you know, you are loved not only in South Africa, but abroad as well? So it's actually quite interesting. I was having this conversation with someone um, just earlier about this. Um, I actually, I don't know if I holistically explained this because as much as I didn't expect to be fully accepted in the industry, I think there was part of it that had a bit of naivety because I don't think I really understood the levels of harmful representation that my different identities had experienced. Um, and so when I kind of went into it, I was looking at it thinking, sort of referencing myself as everyone else in this industry. I kind of saw my path as a path that would be somewhat similar to those who have walked it in the industry. But I didn't realize that albinism, when I was starting out in terms of South African representation, it was very young. It was very, very young in terms of South African representation. Even in terms of global representation, it was quite young. So I think I didn't really have a reference point. I thought I did, but I was actually pioneering. So everything that had that I thought was predictable was actually unpredictable. Right. And I started understanding very quickly that I'm actually going into somewhat a sub an unconsciously hostile environment because the environment was constantly asking me why are you here why don't you look like this you know in several ways um so i think yeah i think quickly i started understanding that the environment was not adaptive to difference more so if you're in a minority group but with right. time and with critical mass there is always change you know i always talk about this even women who are in science or stem those women when they are a minority, that environment is hostile. But as soon as you start gathering critical mass, as soon as you stay long enough in the environment to gather critical mass, you start seeing that the culture and the structure of the environment changes. And I think you can see it with modeling too, with regards to underrepresented groups and albinism specifically. Wow, you you really painted a picture there, and it's it's got me wanting to poke for more details on when you say the the industry kept reminding you to have to prove why you're here. Why are you here? What were those experiences that made you feel like you had to answer this question? Do you know? I think that for most of us, we take our lows or our hits um, quietly. Um, and I don't know when we will find the time or place for some of us where we'll be able to really talk about this um, extensively in a way where we actually have the language to translate our experiences honestly, but in a considered way at the same time. Um, but I think that when I honestly started, as much as you know, people talk about gender pay gap, but I think the pay gaps are multiple. Um, you have a race pay gap, you have a disability pay gap. And I think albinism 
falls within the framework of disability, although some people have uh, disputed that. But my point is really that there is a certain pattern that follows when you're in certain identity groups. And I, I think that when I kind of went into this thing, I didn't, I didn't acknowledge that I had the pattern of gender, the pattern of race, and the pattern of albinism all in one body. And that when that meets institutional or social or economic um, obstacles, that means something. It actually means something. Mm. So on a lighter level, for lack of a better word, it would be things like my eyebrows, you know, um, because I looked very different from what the generic beauty standard would be. In fact, never mind just the, the, the generic beauty standard. And maybe perhaps to say it as a side note, the idea of blue-eyed, blonde hair, when you are a Black woman, <laughs> those features are narrated very differently from when you are a white woman. You know, right. blue-eyed, blonde hair is the beauty ideal when you are um, white. But as soon as you are Black, there is a history attached to having blue eyes and blonde hair, which means albinism in essence. And that history is your body, instead of being uh, narrated as beauty ideal, it's narrated as disease. And you have to now, when you're meeting with institutions like media, you have to find ways of re-narrating the body wow. from the hundreds and hundreds of years of, you know, um, discriminatory language that has been used against it. Wow. Um, it's just been it's just been kind of yeah man i think it's been a wild ride but i do think that one of the things that people like me and Mudisela or Sanele Kaba or one of the things that we did is even though in several ways the industry pushed you out i remember there was a time when Sanele Kaba was saying that as a person with albinism would you even be on a on a on any campaign really on any campaign um, you know, you were seeing our images being popularized, but there was no economic um, investment in it. Wow. So it kind of became, it was quite it was quite an interesting thing. But now you're seeing that there is a change, uh, more so because there's critical mass. The more people who have albinism, who participate in the space, the more the culture changes. It's forced to change, you know. Mm. Um, so, wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, this this feature, we love to do it because we find spaces for women to really be encouraged because a lot of us are suffering in silence. A lot of us feel like what we're going through, we are the only ones going through it and nobody will understand. And clearly you've walked a path that you continue walking um, and you just always feel like you have to uh, continuously be proving something because, as you said, it's a space that still um, is not completely understood um, it's not, uh, you know, respected. And by that, I mean um, that, you know, the average model, for example, there's a lot of money that goes behind modeling um, mm. in, in the stereotypical world of modeling. Um, but as you say, mm. as, a, as a person living with albinism, it's a totally different, um, you know, wall to yeah. face. So what do you say to yeah. somebody who is facing their own challenge, their own adversity, their own mountains to climb? How do you encourage that person? 
I think the first thing is protect your optimism. Do everything possible to protect your optimism because I think it is within optimism that we actually have resilience. There's many things that you can hope for and pray for that may not work out the way you think they'd work out. But one thing you definitely can bet on is your resilience. That's the one thing that you can input. It's the one thing that will not let you down. And I think that with optimism, you have to believe that things can improve. You know, you have to believe in the power of not yet. I always say that whatever negative statement you have, always say not yet right after it. If you say, ah, oh, things aren't working out, just say yet. You know, my business is 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 not making money yet. You know, um, we're not making progress in the popular culture yet. <laughs> so right. always just remember that there is the ability for things to improve or else if you do not, if you do not um, arm yourself with tools of optimism, then you're, you're likely to be demoralized and we need you to be participating in this culture, not just for yourself, but for the legacy that you put on. Because as I said, when I started 10 years ago, we didn't have critical mass. Now you had more people with albinism and there is a change because we were present long enough in the culture to have more people come in and participate and change the codes and the values and the rules of the culture. So I just think, yeah, one of the things is protect your, your optimism, uh, build your resilience and also very, very important, more so for women, build your tribe build your tribe. I think for me, one of the things that have really kind of got me through is the ability to be able to receive perspective. And I only received that perspective mainly from my tribe because there are things when I thought I would not be able to move on or I'd see a dead end, but there's always someone who can give you perspective. They say that time heals all things, but I think perspective heals most things because if you can see the world changing, if your perspective can change, then you really do start seeing a different world. So I think, yeah, I think tribe is important. You need a place where you can be vulnerable and you can be held with support and solidarity um, and feel safe. So, yeah. yeah. That's I, hope, I hope all of those key elements will help. Yes, no, absolutely. That is so beautiful. Anything else you want us to know? Maybe some secrets of projects that are coming up as well or anything else you want to leave us with? I think one of the things that um, I would like uh, you to look forward to is that the African Fashion Legacy Project. So I looked at African textile and how it tells a story. Like there is so much history if you just follow the trail of African fabric, whether you're looking at Sishwe or Adire or Kente. Yeah. And you know, I've done the first framework of the African Fashion Legacy Project where we looked at transcontinental fabric and it was fabric that moved from India to Germany. In Germany, actually, I was wearing it for the BMW um, workshop and they they didn't even know that Blaudrug is actually part of their heritage. Oh. But Blaudrug is the shwe shwe for us. And we have made it an, an incredible cultural phenomenon in South Africa. But anyway, I, I was telling that story. And now I'm going to tell the story of another fabric thread, 
which is really through the color of indigo. So I'm going to tell that story and I would love to be able to speak about it when it's done. And I'm definitely going to be coming to Durban to East Coast Radio to say, let's have a conversation. Yes, absolutely. And I will be waiting for you. I will be waiting for you. Tando Hopa, you are beautiful. You're a blessing. Thank you so much for those words of encouragement. I think you really just took every element of a challenge and just shown us how we can come out of it with the right uh, positivity and protecting our optimism and remembering not yet and also having a tribe that will back everything up for us in a time when we need it. So thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. That is, of course, the amazing Tando Hopa. We all know her from our screens. We know her as a beautiful fashion model, but she's also, as I mentioned, a lawyer, a model actress, and, of course, a renowned global advocate for equity, inclusion, and representation. Carol O'Foury, weekdays, 9 a.m. till 12, East Coast Radio.